Todd and Rob in the afternoon. Hey, afternoon delight. With Todd and Rob. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Here we are with another edition of the new media show. Welcome to the show, Rob. And with any luck, your audio will be better. <laughs> Uh-oh. It's pristine, right? Well, you know what it was is everything. I'm watching everything here all through the time. And I, I forget that coming out of the mixer, a little different route happens for some stuff. And you, there was only one channel. You, 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 I was in right left channel. You were in the right channel only, oh, no left channel. Only. So oh, okay. it would have sounded weird. So maybe, maybe we have you fixed. Yeah, uh, I hope so. Yeah, yeah. keep my fingers crossed here. And you know what clued me in was, and here's the thing that's been the sad thing is I've been shipping the audio off to uh, a part of our automated process. So I don't even load it into the uh into my editor anymore and <laughs> i loaded the audio into the editor i'm like hey there's there's a channel missing and and uh yeah sure enough uh it it was not not a good uh not a good situation so yeah what can i say uh yeah, yeah there you go yep so hopefully hopefully we are lit and live uh, i sent the bat signal out and uh, lots of developments going on this week in that regards, but I don't have to go into that too much in detail. But I do want to take just a second here and uh, thank those that contribute to the show. We've got uh, 10,000 sats from Dave Jackson. He says, check to see if any audio ducking is turned on. When you both talk, Rob is squished. So hopefully you're not squished anymore. We got 5,555 sats from Stephen B. Nice video. Live video is working in Karyocaster. And uh, so anyway, and then a whole, we got a whole bunch of streaming stats this week. So do want to appreciate that. But I, I've been digging my head uh, deeper into some stuff I probably shouldn't. Uh, lightning nodes and rings of fire and, and uh, it, it, liquidity and learning stuff that I really don't need to learn, and this is nothing a podcast or whatever have to learn, but my head is just, it, it's the nerd in me that can't help reading yeah, in the middle of the night. Finding and, out new stuff <laughs> that's going on, right? Yeah, yeah just uh, just checking, checking the cool stuff out. So anyway, um, yeah, you know, this week has been, one thing I've just kind of noticed, it's quiet. It's very, very quiet in the podcasting space. Not a lot of news. Mm -hmm. It's almost like everything's kind of on autopilot. Um, everything's kind of cooled down a little bit. I would right. say it's cool. It's not going down. Well, it's just kind of... It's kind of staying steady. Is well, what it's steady, but... It, it's steady. But there's nothing earth-shattering happening too much, right? No, yeah, no nothing right. whatsoever. Now, a lot of bashing of... I right. mean, just just every week, there's a new article that's that's like body slamming Spotify <laughs> and uh, how they have failed. Right. And you know, and, and as it's much the as the price of high expectations, I think it, yeah. as as much as I'm annoyed, and personally, you know, okay, I know some of you have a lot of listeners on Spotify. It's great, but 
it they I, I just don't see them doing a lot for average podcasters. But you know, people love them, and people love you know, it's, it's different generation loves listening to shows over there. But I was mm-hmm. talking with a a, a client. Um, a potential client the other day. And I just, we kind of got on this topic at Spotify and, and she said, yeah, she says, I don't like the user experience over there. Um, which yeah. I thought was curious. Um, yeah. I've been hearing that for years now. So it's just so, a matter of, you know, it, it's not a, I think they've embraced the, the streaming paradigm of podcasting more than they have the, the traditional. Right. Well, I saw so. something too, from Ariel, the Ariel that annoyed me. She said, YouTube, the biggest streaming podcast platform. And I'm just like, no, no way. How, how, where, where I know that YouTube is going to be speaking at her event, but what, what, what proof do you oh, have? At the hot pod, at the hot pod. Summit, yeah, yeah. What, what proof? Kai is going to be there, right? Yeah. What, what proof do you have that, that, YouTube is the biggest streaming service for, I, I don't agree. Mm. Not at no, all. It's not, it's a little bit of smoke and mirrors on that. And I think people, listeners think it's listening right. or watching a podcast, but it's, if you well, actually did the numbers and people have not, not that high of a percentage no, of the shows no. on YouTube are actually podcasts. I mean, in the traditional definition, I, I, I don't right. even want to even get into the definition or any of that stuff, but even yeah. if, even if you said every one of those shows that they said, oh, that's a podcast is a podcast. They're still not number one in streaming. If, if you, oh, of streaming of podcasts, right, right. Well, technically there is no streaming of podcasts. Well, but, but I think there are folks that are, are in platforms that are wanting it to be that way. Right. But technically Rob. Okay. Technically, technically, okay. It's the perception. See, we're always battling this perception versus reality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perception versus technology, and and we get called out for being the old curmudgeons on this. Yeah. But but actually, there's absolutely nothing wrong with what we're saying here. It's podcasters need to understand what they're doing. That's right. Listeners, who cares? Yeah. Right. And these topics get confused with each other, and it's not you know and. You know, if we're talking to podcasters, so when we talk to podcasters, they need to know what the difference is between a show being on YouTube and a show being in a in an RSS feed. Right, right. right. You can't blend those things together and have understanding happen. It's that's that's you know that's distorted thinking. <laughs> so I'm I'm uh, checking here uh, to make sure that see I don't see our live signal. What is going on? I'm going to have to load an app and. Uh, and I saw a discussion back and forth on Twitter about whether or not we were lit and live and that kind of stuff. Just and now? No, no, no. I said from last week. I saw. Oh yeah, that was some be, Twitter posts. Yeah, and stuff about it. basically it was we were we were live on a whole bunch of stuff, but it was. Uh, oh, I have my I have this thing in airplane mode, of course. So let me turn this. Oh, I got Wi-Fi turned on, so it should work. I. Again, I don't have the app loaded here, so let me go look. I'm loading Podverse, and uh, let me see here. See what I can see because the website, I'm not. I don't see us live on the web. Mm. So let's try this. Yeah, off of your your audio stream. 
Yeah, it does not does not show us live, which is very very uh, irritating right now. So my live item is set. The time is right. So let me send a different signal because obviously something's not getting out there. So I have a way to manually ding them. So let's go ahead and mean, ding them this way. We we'll do this ding, and we'll do this ding. So we'll see what happens now. Um, if that happens and see if it actually kicks us because something didn't go at least on the podverse side, but I don't know. It's one of those situations where, um, in the scheme of things right now, I, I just, it's a distraction a little bit. On, on this, on the whole situation with, uh, um, AKA with, uh, you know, this talk of YouTube and all this other stuff. It's, it's just something we don't really need at this point because we don't know what YouTube's going to do there. We know they're going to do something at some point. People get their panties in a wad when maybe that's the wrong term to use, but people get Ooh. all, get all excited when, uh, you know, they I think, think, yeah, I think we saw a lot of the same thing happen when, as Spotify was coming into the medium too, it was a lot of speculation, a lot of people, you know, thinking that something was going to happen and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, and YouTube has been very kind of cagey about the information they've released into the medium. And it's, I don't think it's been helpful, um, to have such a, kind of a confused perspective about what they were, what they were doing. And, um, and, and really right. the next question is, is, you know, what, are they going to change their, their mind again? You know, it's just, you know, they, they, well, all these big, big tech companies are in turmoil right now because yeah. they, they have less staff. Their priorities are getting, um, you know, focused down. And, and so that may cause that delays, you know, and, so, and, you know, you look at this fiasco that Google had with their, their, their barf system, you know, where they'd lost 12% of their stock value, right. um, you know, from a failed demo. Right. So I don't know. It's, um, it, it's, well, it, it's an interesting time for sure. Yeah. The whole AI thing is kind of turning everything up, up upside down on its head, you know, so everybody's thinking the world's going to come crashing down, but I think it's it's still quite a ways off. I mean, it's certainly going to accelerate and become a bigger factor in podcasting. There's no question, but it's just a matter of really how, how significant is it? Uh, I think is the big question. And I'm, and I'm not it, sure that it is and at what, big yet. At what cost, you know, is the average podcaster going to be able to right. continue to afford to have this progressive layering of <laughs> things that they have to pay for? They think they have to pay for. Right. In order to to succeed in podcasting, you know that what or what they think they need to do to succeed in podcasting. So yeah. you know that's yeah. that's my concern too. I think that the the real attraction to this is podcasters are always craving for ways that they can save time. Right. If you really dumb it down to the base level of what's going on with um, the the AI Chat GPT stuff, it's people trying to cut down on the amount of time it takes to get an episode produced and published. 
at the end of the day. And that's how I think about it. Um, and I know that, you know, like, uh, you know, some of the platforms that are, that are coming up here, um, are focused on that. And I think, and I did a little poll on the, the, um, the website or on the, the Podfest session for us. I, I don't know if you saw that poll, Todd. No, I did um, not. But I, I pulled the priorities of people that were coming to our session. Mm-hmm. Let me see if I can find it here really quick. Um, so I was mistaken. We were live. I was just, I'm being dumb. I was looking at the wrong show. My brain is not, not working. This, <laughs> I was looking at Geek News Central. I'm like, yeah, that show's not live. Yeah, of course we're, we're not live. We're not right. live. So I just sent a bat signal out for something that was not even supposed to. Thank God. Stupidity <laughs> on my part. Yes, we, we are live and lit on New Media Show. Duh. So I, yeah, so I think the number one kind of kind of use case for AI technology in podcasting is generating, you know, uh, titles, show notes, and things like that. Mm-hmm. So that's that's like the, the number one use case right right now. So you know, sure, that might save people time, right? Um, and then obviously the derivative of that would be being able to properly di- decipher decipher, um, transcripts. So that's, that's the other part of the spectrum. And that's, that's pretty much what people are thinking about right now when it comes to AI and podcasting. I'm not sure that there's much else that's significant right now. Yeah. I think there's some cool tools out there. You know, uh, I got a demo of cap show the other day. Yeah. And, uh, they're, 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 doing exactly that right they're doing the, the show notes and yeah but, titling and things like that but you know here's the and, and i i know they're working on that service and trying to expand it but it's in it's using chat gbt and that model and the, you know the question i have for this is and then things that you know brings to my top of my mind is mm-hmm. okay well the model is a couple of years old you know, that the data in there is a couple of years old. So how do you stay relevant, have relevant? And again, I, I think it's, I know what they're, you know, I, I understand well, what they're doing, but still. Yeah, well, CapShow is actually using the information from the content creator to right. generate that stuff. So but it's, it's not it's clear. Not so much well, it's not clear it. if they're going out and touching external sources too. Well, they so, could be, sure. Yeah. But, I agree um, with you. You know, so I'm trying, you know, I'm trying to decide, is it worth even, you know, do I build something? Do I use a model? Do I even worry about this at this point? Because I don't want to build something that's going to be, you know, someone else is building something that's great. Do I integrate with someone else? It's one of those things where, and then how much, how much usability, how much viability does it, do we build this for and then do we screw our create content creators? That's my concern is yeah. that do we, if you, if you integrate something like this mm-hmm. and then do you, do all these shows start sounding the same? Do the, the, the social start sounding the same? Is it do does is Google all of a sudden say, wow, look at this rinse, wash, repeat, because they're all using the same type of a template or, you know, there, there's concerns on, you know, any, yeah. anytime you have 25, 30, 40, 100, 250, 500 people, 
generating social, generating show notes, delivering from these types of systems, how much of it is regen and how much of it looks the same. And then how much of it, then all of a sudden you get hit for, uh, and I'm not saying this is the case. I'm just, I'm still worried about plagiarism and all these other factors. Um, I, I don't know. I just, I, I go back. I'm old school. I believe in the value of, and again, none of these systems, and I've done a couple experiments uh, with contents.com and with uh, mm-hmm. uh, one other service. You have to edit those, whatever they come up with. Right. But at the same time, it some of that data sounds the same, you know, it really, yeah. it, 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 it formats in a way that you can tell is the same, but I don't know what time will tell. Yeah. There's definitely, um, a, a risk of that. And so I don't know, uh, to kind of change the topic, I know sure. we've, we've talked a lot about, um, the, the AI stuff. Um, but I have noticed, um, talk amongst all of the, the conferences that are going on, um, and interest in doing more local events. So I, I, you may have heard this going on too with PodFest and and now um, James with uh, PodNews. Um, so I'm I'm wondering if there's a little bit of a a feeling of opportunity. The the actual you know like one city kind of conference model for podcasting is, is maybe not drawing as much attendance as many of the organizers would, would like. Um, so I think more and more they're thinking, well, we got to get the word out more, right. About the, um, the conference of sorts, right. Whether it be PodFest and I know podcast movement's been doing this for a long time, holding like many events all around but they're the country. Just, they're usually meetups though. Well, they are, but, Increasingly, I see I'm I'm getting a this perception that they're turning into mini events. I mean, real events with speakers and things like that. Increasingly, that that's the direction that they're going. If they Be like one or one and a half day events. Well, the challenge is from a company's perspective is that. Well, we can't be at all of them. Well, sure. when you have a day, day and a half event, is that. And I'm not talking about PodFest. I'm not talking about podcast movement. But someone holds their one or two a day event. Mm-hmm. Their cost to hold that event is pretty can be pretty high, and the the cost to actually be there can be as high as attending a regular event. You know, yeah, by, for the organizer or right. for a, a potential exhibitor, or something you know, so a company to come in. Yeah, I don't. And, yeah, I'm a little torn on this because I. I look at what uh, Outlier is doing, and they're holding a couple of events. Yep. Uh, one in LA here in uh, May, which I'm going to be at. And but, but the Outlier events have n- traditionally never been a place really that a company would go and get a lot of value out of. In other yeah, words, yeah, I think you could probably <laughs> argue that that point that the attendance. Uh, though most of the events, most of the outlier events that I've been to have had sponsors and had um, s- sponsors there with, with a booth. Now, if you're talking or a about a table, ROI, well, the outlier a had table, a table. Right. Yeah. A table. Right. Right. Um, now if you're talking about ROI on it, because the attendance level is right. not, not high, but I think 
I think a lot of the times the attendance is probably a hundred people and, and plus or minus a hundred people. And you're, you'll be lucky if it's 70, 30 on 70% existing podcasters yeah. and 30% new. Yeah. You're going to attract uh, a, a fair amount of existing podcasters that would even be aware of it for that matter. Right. Um, a new podcaster may not even know how to find out about a local event like that. So that's the challenge that all these events have is mm-hmm. they're, they're trying to take this strategy of going to their attendees, mm-hmm. establishing a relationship with the attendees all around the country. Cause you know, Todd, I'm sure you experienced this too. I go around the country and I ask people, I'm going to Podfest next month or two months from now or something like that. And they just look at you with a blank stare. They've never heard of it before. Right. Um, and to some degree that happens pretty significantly with uh, podcast movement too. Well, we used to have the pod camps that were fairly successful. They were more regional. Right. And I think that that's even popping up again. I heard that there's one that's being put together, I think down but, in Philadelphia. Yeah, there's soon. one in Toronto that's happening in a couple of weeks. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and that's where outlier is going to do, do an event coming up too. So I just wonder if we're going to see... do one in Toronto. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's it's interesting because well, maybe it's there's well, that's enough a pretty spacing. hot market for for podcasting. Toronto and Vancouver are probably the two um, kind of main areas for the podcasting industry in Canada. So, well, I can just tell you the experience we 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 uh, just recently did a different model, mm-hmm. and. Um, did it to a more limited audience. I guess that's all I can say. Yeah. Uh, matter of fact, did it last week. And, but again, it was a very select audience. It wasn't an audience that, you know, where we advertise for regular podcasters to come and sit mm-hmm. down with us for half a day. And really it's, that's about all you can, you know, if you're going to, you yeah. know, it's, it's hard to get people to be able to commit for a day, day and a half. Um, well, least of all, commit to fly across the country, spend a thousand dollars on a ticket, um, on an airplane ticket, and then spend another thousand or more on, hotel. on a hotel mm-hmm. plus and food. then take, take four days off, you know, from right. work or something right. like that. Yeah. That's so, the big challenge. And I think that's what the organizers are starting to realize, you know, cause podcast movement, uh, may not have as big of attendance this year than they did when they were in LA. Um, well, I would expect it to be smaller because people, you know, even though LA is just a hop, skip or a jump, if you're in LA, it's easy yeah. to, or San Francisco, it's easy to pop down to, of course, you know, you wouldn't maybe There's a bigger population pool to pull from right, right, in right. LA. Right. I think you've got a bigger, it's the same thing with Podfest down in Orlando, right? That's a pretty big city down there. So you can pull a lot of local people from all around Florida. And, and, and that's what he does. And that's at what, the, at the same time, the economy's tight. It is. You know, pe- people are, you know, they're all braving on the TV that, boy, this is the best time ever. Well, have you checked the prices of stuff lately? Yeah, it's not. The airfares are not coming down. No, no, not at all. And matter of fact, I'm, I'm hedging going to England because, you know, $2,400 round trip. I'm not going to, to the podcast show. So, you know, head, you know, I was looking at that. I'm like, you know, 2,400 bucks. You gotta be kidding me. You know? And, uh, if it was 1200, 
mm-hmm. and then another thousand or fifteen hundred dollars for a hotel and all that stuff. It's which is what it was last year. I think I I think my airfare flying. Well, it's kind of hard to track because I didn't fly from here to London. Right. I flew all the way to to um, Copenhagen. But just but, going um, to going to Vegas uh, is twelve hundred bucks round trip just to Vegas on this next. Well, you, you paid twelve hundred to 1200, go to Vegas. Twelve hundred. Yeah. Wow. Okay, I think I only paid like six hundred. Well, it depends on where you're flying out of too, you know, and if right. it depends on where you're hubbing, that's the yeah, key. I flew out of New York, so yeah, so it's it's, it's easy. You had lots of choices there. Yeah, more. It's that's the other thing that's happening too is that even out of the big hubs, there's not a lot of choices. Yeah, and I don't the airline I fly, I don't have direct anything mm, direct so, to Vegas. Okay, so you have to do some yeah, hop, skips, and jumps. I got to go to, to Chicago, and then change airplanes, yeah. and, or Denver, or wherever. Yeah, but it's you so, know, yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out because uh, you know even James Cridlin's doing it with Pod News. He's doing live Pod News events all around the world. Actually, he's hmm. doing doing them in Australia. He's going to do them in Kuala Lumpur and Malaysia and and in the UK. I think his first event is in um, Manchester. I think with um, Sam. Um, so so. They're going to do a live on stage, um, pod news live, kind of like what we do. Hmm. <laughs> so it's, yeah, uh, I'll just put it to you that way. He's trying to do the same model that we've been doing for, for a while. Well, he's got a, show. he's got a partner there that might be driving that too. So he does. Yeah. He's got a couple of partners that are probably helping him with that. Right. So, Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. This is definitely a, you know, podcast movement, I think started it, um, with their regional meetups that they've been doing for the last few years. Right. Um, but it feels like it's ramping up. There's going to, I think we're we're going to see a lot more smaller events all, all around the country. You know, we turned down last year, probably five or six podcasting events that were largely one or two day events. And here's the reason why is okay. You're going to have a one or two a day event and it's a simple math problem. If -hmm. you're and this is when I, we've got an internal formula for it. Um, what's your attendance? Uh, okay. We think it's going to be 400 or 500. Let's say they say it's 500. We internally know it's probably going to be more like 300 because all then all, they all pump the numbers a little bit. So we'll, right. we'll put 500 on the spreadsheet and then it'll be, okay, what's our airfare? What's our hotel? What is our booth cost? Um, you know, what's the total dollar amount that we're going to have going to that event? And then we divide that total number by the number of attendees and we come up with a cost per head. Right. Yeah. Right. And if the cost per head exceeds a certain value, we're out. Some of the events that we were asked to come and spend money on and to pay big money to exhibit, the cost per attendee was in the twenty-five and thirty-dollar range, and that's insane. That's that's a, that's that's a unsustainable ROI. If you're going to go there now, if the price is seven, six, five, four dollars a head, from a from a cost standpoint, maybe as high as five. Um, yep. and, th- and here's the thing you also got to think about 
is the way we look at it too, is we know at least 50% of the people that are attending are already podcasters hosting with someone. And really the target market is 50% of the audience that's there for us to get any ROI out of an event. Now, some events we have to be at to wave the flag and say, hey, we're still in business. We're still here. Right. There's, but, those are usually the bigger main events. Right. But when yeah. you have small events that have three, 400 people that are attendees that are not, um, and, and they say, okay, well, we'd like to have your $20,000 to be our main sponsor. That's, 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 that's insane. Well, Todd, I think what, what the model is going to turn out look, looking like is that there's going to be these small event sponsors that sponsor these events in as far almost like a campaign across the country. Right. So you'll sponsor all these events and just be a brand that's there. It's not like, I don't think that Chris or any of these folks think that any of us, you or I or any of us are going to go to all these events with him and speak. Right. So I think what he's going to do is pull local experts to come in and speak to get more people presenting. And then he's going to look for all the podcasting platforms to do like a national sponsorship, right. Of this campaign. Why don't I just, I can do that myself. Well, probably cheaper. That's, that's an interesting point, Todd. I mean, because what you're doing is you're funding the marketing of the main event. Right. Right. Uh, which is one of, one of the core KPIs or one of the core reasons for doing these regional events is more of kind of a marketing outreach. And I know that's what podcast movement did for a long time. Yes. Trying to say, well, we're podcast movement. We're in your town. Come down, meet us. Then come to the main event. And and then, you know, we can make you more aware and build a, a personal connection to you. Right. So you'll be more likely to come to the main event. Right. And I think that's, what's really going on here. But if you look at it from a different perspective, if you, you know, if, if doing a regional event doesn't have to be that expensive, you can get a, uh, you know, uh, sometimes you can do it on an off night in a bar. Yeah. I used to do um, podcast meetups in Seattle at, yeah. uh, at, at a restaurant you know, and, and you know, have a back, a back room. room somewhere where right. it holds 40, 50 people. And, yeah. uh, you know, basically and the costs are pretty, pretty low and you that. have it at a time of day where people come in, they can order food and they can get a beer and, they can get all that whatever. stuff. Right. Right. And then you have a couple of hours and, um, so I think t- that's, that's going to be the model. I think I can't imagine them getting a big venue, but no, you know, but if you're going to attract, if you're going to try and get a hundred people there, you're going to need a little bigger venue. You can't, I don't know that you can do a hundred person event in a, the back of our restaurant. Well, you could, maybe. you know, but then you're getting into venue cost. Right. And you're probably looking at three to $4,000 at a minimum. Cause if you're going to do a venue, then you do have to do food. You have to either pay for the venue up front or you have to have the catering. And you, yeah, or go- you work with larger restaurants that have big, you right. know, like, like meeting rooms yep. that can accommodate that, which some restaurants have. And, and, and you do, you just say, you know, I'm going to have this many people there yep. and food, you know, each it, attendee has to buy their own food or, and their or own drinks. And most of those places will require some sort of minimum on the bar or something like that. So, yep. you, you know, in the end it, it all, it, it's, you're going to pay one way or the other. 
So is yeah. that really a good, and plus you got to do the marketing. You're going to have to buy some radio time, you know, probably to get the word out. There's, you know, you're uh, going to have to do something. Yeah. Uh, it's all going to be done over social media. Yeah. You're not going to reach everyone in social media. Not that, not if you're looking for new people. For new people. Yeah. That's it's going to be more local, local marketing. Yeah. What you're going to have to do. If you want to reach new, new people, you have to, you have to have some sort of marketing campaign. Right. So in the end, it's, you're still going to pay. And then it goes back down to that, you know, what are you going to gain out of that from an ROI? You and know. are you actually going to get those people to come to your main event um, when they've just done an event with you? Right. Here? right. So or are you going to be able to get them to, if you're the sponsor, is that going to turn into a new customer? You know, that's right. for us, well, that's the, the end goal, right? Right. But, you know, there's, there's podcast listeners here too. And there's podcasters that want to, you know, learn about podcasting too, is who we're trying to reach. So, well, as they much, may look at our at their sponsors to do a certain amount of marketing for them too. As so. as as much as there is available online, yeah, there's not much need today for a content creator to go unless they want to do the networking and meet other people. Well, I, th I think that's the core reason. Yeah, you know, otherwise, the information why, that they're going to gain. That's why podcast movements done it all these years was to to try and find podcasters in all these markets and just make sure that they're aware of it, of the conference. Right. So it's, it's one of those things you have to watch. We'll have to see what continues to happen. And, um, yeah. I don't know. And it is, you know, the, the key is I just, you know, I don't know how Chris is able to do his event with the number of attendees that are there. There's, it must be the vendors, bringing enough money to pay for the venue because you know, if you don't get, that was an expensive venue too. Yeah. I mean, this last event and all that food that he had, my goodness. Mm -hmm. Well, amazed. again, the, the food was for those that paid for the extra ticket. So, you know, there was people that paid a premium to be able to eat. Right. So, and of course the evening events, the sponsor events, that was, you know, I'm right. sure much of that was paid for by other folks. Mm -hmm. yep. So it's not cheap to do those events. You know, they, they basically have a number, you know, $300,000 worth of food and beverage, you know, that you have to spend. And then you get to use the, it's all about the beverage bill. I mean, the food and beverage on most of those uh, venues, mm -hmm. you get the facilities. If you spend enough money on food and, and beverage. Right. I know an individual was doing a, an event in Vegas at the Golden Nugget. And he had, in order to have a thousand people, thousand to 1200 people at the event, his, um, he had to spend 500 to get the venue. He had to spend $500,000 in food and, and beverage. Of course at $300 a coffee, uh, you know, one coffee pot, <laughs> you know, it's not too hard to get to 500 K pretty quickly. So, but I think, ven I think the venue business event business is very, very difficult right now. Yeah, it is. I don't see it getting better anytime soon either. Well, I don't know. People are attending events. We've had events last year so? that were well attended. It's just the podcasting space event are not 
thriving. Well, we were, yeah, but why is that? It's 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 because of the economy, right? I'm it's, sure because people go inflation to and people go to, to to commercial trade shows. Their companies pay for them to go, right? You know, so they have so much budget for people attend their national events, and they go as attendees to learn. And they're not necessarily and there's ex lots of exhibitors there, and so maybe it's just the podcasting space is we have this. 90% of people that are independent content creators. This is why I've always said that having an event on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you've immediately removed a large portion of your attendees that can't come because they're not willing to take that much vacation time. Right. Yeah, that's true. Events should be held on a Friday, Saturday and get done Sunday afternoon. So people can still fly home and, and make it back to work Monday morning. But yeah. what do so, I know? No, I think it's, it definitely holds back a lot of people from going. And some of these conferences make sure that they have all of their event days right during the work week too, which well, makes that's it what I'm more saying. challenging. Right. But again, yeah. so it's a trade-off because business mm -hmm. people don't like to be out on the weekends. Right. So it depends on who you're catering to, right? You're catering to and if you're, the professionals, or if, you're catering to you right. know, podcasters. You right. know, they want to be there during the work week, and they, you know, that's why, so why CES and Amy B and all these other events very rarely move into the to a weekend overage. It, it's a big. We see it like this this year at CES Thursday and Friday, huge crowds. Saturday, boom, because all the business people went home. Right. Yep. Todd, I sent you an email with a link to um, a chart that uh, tracks podcast listening situations by gender. Let me, what email did you send? Uh, to, to your geek news one. Uh, let me look. So oh, there it is. It shows how, how, how people based on gender, right? Uh, where and how they listen to podcasts, which I think is fascinating. Well, who put uh, this is who put this uh, together? YouGov.com. Uh, Cleaning, commuting, and cooking. When do Americans listen to podcasts? So let me uh, bring this up. Right. It says. So I'd like to. I'd like to know where. How did they source this information? Um, does it, does it say, say at the bottom? Let's yeah, say at the bottom. Let, let me go look and see if they say how they source this. Okay, it says, it says it's based on continuously collected data and rolling surveys rather from a single limited questionnaire. Profile data for the U.S. is naturally representative online weighted by age, gender, age, region, and race. And so they say... Oh, there was a boost that just came in. I heard it, but I don't see it on this computer. I wonder why. Hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, it says, what, about 49% of Americans who listen to podcasts do so while doing household chores. Um, the most popular podcast listening situation is obviously... I think we can all agree commuting to work. It's another activity that um, says uh, while doing household chores, they they right. listen to podcasts. That's the highest percentage. Um, yeah. Hmm. 
while commuting. Yes. Um, let's look at this from a all perspective. Forty-two percent doing out. Doing okay, I think it's the commuting to work is the one that's forty-two percent. Right. Yes, commuting to work is forty-two percent, and doing household chores forty-nine percent. Percent, right? And then followed by working out mm-hmm. and cooking and baking, both at twenty-nine percent. So people are. Uh, this is kind of not focused on the gender side. Right, which right, right. You, you can actually dig into the gender differences. While here. being out for a walk, 25%. While running errands, 24%. Going to sleep while sleeping, 21%. At work, 15%. While eating, 14 While waiting in line, <coughs> 11 While shopping, 10%. Where's the, yeah, commuting is where I do the most, and driving is where I do the most of my podcast listening. So I agree mm-hmm. with that. But not household chores. But that's yeah, an interesting I, one. Yeah, I don't know unless you're wearing earbuds or, you know, the the ear pods, I suppose. You could right. be doing chores while you're doing that. But I think people have been walking their dog or doing stuff like that for, for years in podcasting. Working out is something that, you know, I think you have to have secure ear, ear pods for that mm-hmm. um, so they don't fall out of your head. So right. that's kind of a technological kind of issue. But that's been going on for, for a long time, too. Oh, I see what's going on. Someone is live streaming a sats. That's why we're getting a boost coming in on the other bat signal every uh, every minute. I keep hearing it ring, but it was live streaming sats. Sorry. <laughs> and then the the funny one is the before going to sleep mm-hmm. or while sleeping. So it's kind of hard to listen to a podcast while you're sleeping. I think. But, while shopping, okay. 10%. While right. waiting in line, 11%. But if you look at the male, female, ladies are, you know, there's some gender stuff here that's obviously by doing household chores at 55% versus 43 44%, 40% versus 44 for driving, 2632 yeah. cooking oh, baking 35 22 it's still 43% of the males are doing doing the household chores yeah. so that's good yeah i well, listen to podcasts yeah <laughs> i have to clean my place all the time right so i don't have a house cleaner it's me yeah uh, well that's so, that's rude to say i am i live by myself so i do the house cleaning right so the commuting is pretty evenly split Mm-hmm. as far as the breakdown of, you know, in public transportation. And then wor- working out is a little heavier towards um, what the female side of things, right? Is that right? But they're no. often no, they listen. No, is, on the male side, not on the male side. It's interesting. This is 47% do not listen to podcast. 16% listen several times a week. 14% several times a day, once a day. 14% once every three months, once every six months, less often 14, once every two to three weeks, once a month, 9%. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Well, it's, it's always a, it's always an interesting glimpse into how podcasting consumption has changed. And I would say that it, I don't think it has changed very much. No, I, I, I think uh, that community, the one that surprises me while doing household chores but yeah. yeah, maybe I shouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I'm not tremendously surprised at that one. 
doing chores can be boring. It'd be nice to listen to a podcast. <laughs> yeah, potentially. Usually I have music or something on. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing, right? That people spend a lot of time in, involved in too. So what are we? We're about two or three weeks away from uh, from Vegas. Yeah. I forget what the dates are. Uh, well, I fly in on March 6th, so I think it starts on the 7th. Yeah. It goes through to the 10th. I think I fly out on the 11th Yeah, of, I, of March. My daughter's coming from Tampa, so uh, she gets uh, to Michigan on the 10th, and I'll be home on the 11th. So I think my schedule's the same. Get in the 6th and stay at the Westgate. But uh, any more news out of uh, NEB? Have we heard anything from NEB? Um, as far as I know, things are progressing. Uh, I think we're supposedly, uh, you and I are doing a panel together hmm. somewhere at some time. Um, so that's what I understand, but All right. I'm doing a round table on what, one of the days with Seth wrestler and to my understand anyway, it hasn't been a hundred percent confirmed yet. And then. I'm still working on trying to get this show on stage at the event as well. I did hear back from the fellow that's supposedly doing that at NAB, but he hasn't confirmed that he's actually doing it at NAB. Mm. So, so that's the piece that's kind of up in the air right oh, now. Oh, okay. Well, maybe we're not doing anything. <laughs> so I guess we'll, well see. Yeah. Dan from Podcast Movement is is kind of running that content stuff there so okay yeah so we'll see if you want to go to vegas again if you didn't get enough with podcast movement uh, you can certainly go to the nab i know we're getting a double dose of of vegas um, i'm getting a triple because remember i was out there for uh, ces oh that's right <laughs> i don't know if i can take three trips to vegas and yeah it's just that, that's a, a lot that's I was there for a week. So that's a lot. But you know, podcast movement's a little easier because you don't leave the hotel unless you want to. Right. And it's at the Westgate, which is an interesting I Yeah. Mean, it's an older hotel too. There's a lot of uh people that are asking asking me, should I go? And um you know, the ones I'm talking to, I'm saying you should because of this reason or that, because of the type of shows they have and what they're trying to do. So, mm -hmm. um, but I know that uh, some of our business partners are going to be out there. So, we've, you know, planning on at least, well, I'm talking about podcast movement again. I, I it, It's one of those events. I, I think it's going to be interesting this year to be in Vegas. Um, I just wonder if they've made a mistake having it in Vegas. Yeah, just the uh, the small amount of information that I know that their their attendance is going to be like quite a bit less than L.A. would have been. What was L.A. So, last year? Thought it was close to two thousand. Yeah, you can so, never you can never get the real number. You know, no one will ever, you know, no one will ever tell you the exact unless you're sitting there with a clicker, 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 and clicking people and see. I don't think anybody really wants everybody to know that. So yeah, you don't want to. But I, I am a flyer insert uh, sponsor at Podcast Movement, and I'm I'm supposed to send them up up to twelve hundred and fifty flyers. All right, so that that means there's probably eleven hundred registered then. 
It's probably a reasonable assertion. Or eleven fifty or something like that. Mm-hmm. Plus or minus, they they expect this a certain amount of last minute sure show ups. Hmm. All right. Well. Yeah. So those are our numbers. I'm just my speaker on. You probably can't hear it, but my computer on the other side is driving me crazy right now because the speaker's on, and uh, every minute I'm hearing the 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 cash register ring over there with people <laughs> who's live streaming the show with sats right now. So, <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Not, I thought it was interesting too. Not, not uh, a bad sound. Go ahead. No, it's not. Um, that uh, James posted. James Cridlin posted uh, a link to the old podcast that uh, Dave Weiner and Adam Curry did. Trade secrets. Hmm. That was kind of a long lost. Uh, podcast that those two did together it was kind of a short run i've listened to all those so i don't think i need to go back down memory lane and listen to them again yeah i just thought it was interesting that um james is bringing that back at this time yeah so why what's is there some emotive hmm. um i'm not sure it's actually it i think it's just I think his focus on trying to maintain somewhat of the history of podcasting, mm-hmm. I think to some degree in people's minds, um, I can see some benefit to that. I, I have this conversation with new people all the time in the podcasting space about helping them understand how we got here, right? Where we have come, where, how we've transitioned over the years and, and it helps explain why we're where we're at today. Um, because a lot of people just assume that there's something that caused that, but they don't really know, you know, why the medium is like this. Why is advertising not such a big deal in the podcasting space when it, everybody says it is right. Right. Um, if you go back and you look at the history of this medium, you'll clearly understand why advertising isn't as big a deal as people make it out to be. Um, so, well, you talk to some people, boy, it is a big deal. It is. Well, it's it's understandable that they feel that way because that's probably their their core business and that's probably their life and that's probably their career and so it's understandable. I didn't but, get any more hate mail from the last uh show. So, what does that mean? Just they've stopped listening or is it Maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah. So you just don't know, but don't know um, if I'm enemy number one or if I made my point enough to get off someone's, you know, hate list. Yeah. So this show is not going to be, and I think maybe I said this last episode, it's not going to be live on stage at podcast movement this year. So we're kind of, um, off the stage this year and I'm actually not doing any sessions at podcast movement this year. So, um, so we'll take that for what it is and move on and, I'll focus on doing other things at the event, trying to meet up with people and try and help the way I can. Yeah. I think, you know, the potential is, is, you know, they have a couple of great bars at the Westgate that make for meeting up really, you know, there's a great place to meet up. That's right on matter of fact, right on the casino and long long history of podcast uh, conferences and people staying at the Westgate. So, (laughs) yeah. So there's great places to, to if you don't get get sucked up into the Vegas, you know, you know, churn, uh, right. I think there's going to be some you know great after event discussions 
in the bars. So matter of fact, if you're in the Vegas area and you're not coming to evolutions, you know, just come to the Westgate after about five o'clock. And I think you'll get all the podcast nourishment you need. Though I would, I've been hearing more and more people say that they're not going to stay at the Westgate. They're going to stay at a nicer hotel. Well, Westgate is actually not that bad. No, it's not, but it is a, let's be honest. It is a legacy hotel. Sure. Question. It's not a modern new hotel, like let's say the Venetian or, well, yeah, or the win or any of those so, newer hotels. Oh, Rob, uh, my budget, I actually wanted to stay at Circa for NAB and we looked at the pricing and we're staying at Harris because it was a thousand dollars difference. And I just can't justify that. I know. I agree with you. I, I'm staying at the at the Caesars Palace for NAB, but I'm staying at the Westgate uh, for podcast. Yeah, me movie. too. I'm staying at Westgate. Yeah. So, so, so I'll be I'll be hopping on that shuttle. Well, we'll be doing the uh, monorail down. Oh, yeah. I guess I guess you can do that. Yeah. Sure. And then there's no NFL draft going on this year, so I don't have to worry about dragging my bags two miles to get an Uber when we leave. Which happened last year from NEB, but that's a whole different discussion. So you're not going to stay in uh, Old Town, huh? Well, I like to, but again, you know, it was like, there was, you know, it is what it is. So it is. Yeah. So Vegas is Vegas. The only, the only difference is, is it's 50% more expensive to eat when you stay on the strip than staying down on Fremont Street. Right. So. But uh, we're only taking a couple people to NEB. We're only taking two to Podcast Movement. So, oh, you are. Oh, okay. So it's yourself and who else? Uh, Mike will be coming to Podcast Movement, and then I believe Mackenzie's coming to to NEB. Oh, okay. So, yeah, this will help keep your costs down. That's well, sure. it's no no reason to have more than that there right. Because of right. the, you know, and the same thing with podcast movie evolutions. There's just not going to be the traffic to justify more people. Right. You know, what, and probably one person would have been, if it wouldn't have been so many hours, one person could have run the booth. But yeah. Well, I mean, I, I did that in the early days when I was working for Spreaker. I was the only one in the U.S. from Spreaker and I did all these conferences all by myself. Yeah. So, that's hard to do it by yourself. Build the booth, man the booth. Yeah. Because you don't get out for lunch or nothing, and by the end of the day, you're you're a zombie. You're a zombie. I was a I was a strong um, exhibitor after all that. <laughs> right. I had strong legs and strong arms. Right, and, right. And you went back to your I, room and face planted. That's what I, you did. Yes, yes. <laughs> and then I saw that. Yeah, I'm going to be down at the the on air fest in Brooklyn uh, late. I think it's late next week. I never even, haven't I even remember. heard of that. What is that? It's a audio festival, uh, that's usually held in Brooklyn, New York. Mm. And, um, I guess they, they alternate with coasts. So the last one they had was probably like six months ago in Los Angeles. And mm. then the hot pod summit, um, happens right along with it. Right. So that's that, you know, hot pod. So, and I guess the, 
the YouTube head of podcasting, Kai. So, Kirk, so are you going to that? Speaking. Are you going to yeah. that? So, oh, so you paid the ticket to go, huh? Well, it's an invite only ticket. So oh. they only have like, I think the maximum capacity of the room is like 250 people or something like that. So it's not a, a huge venue or anything like that. So they keep, keep the numbers relatively low, even though I don't know if they would sell more tickets than they do. So I, it's hard to say. Yeah. I don't subscribe to the hot pod newsletter. So, yeah. So it's actually written by somebody else. Now it's not written by the, the old, the fellow that used to write it. Right. Nick Qua. Yeah. So it's actually owned by, um, I think Vox owns it now. Yeah. Of course I haven't, of course, recently I've been bashing on Verge, so Vox Media probably is not. <laughs> it's the same. It's the same. It's actually run by. Yeah, by the same folks. By um, by by the Verge. I right. Mean, it's the same people right. that, that run Hot Pod. So. Yeah. I've, I've, yeah. On Twitter lately, I've been, uh, you know, the Verge has had nothing but absolute negative articles about Twitter. They 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 must hate Elon Musk, and. Um, it's just, uh, it's so obvious in their, in their writings. It's just, it, to me, it's just uh, amazing. They have, they are not, they are now opinion makers. They're not, uh, yeah, it's, they're, theirs is as bad as the newspapers. Yeah. Yeah. So you're saying that there's not a lot of news going on there. Is that what you're saying? No, I'm just, I'm just saying that everything that, everything that right. they write about Elon Musk is just, I mean, just, Brutal. Just so, blame him good, huh? Oh, yeah. It's just, it turned, you know, he turned in, for, he went from this, you know, to the darling, and then now he's hated. So it's, it is kind of, it's kind of interesting. But the sales of the Tesla still are climbing like a, like a rocket ship. Though. Yeah. Well, so, I, I think uh, if you have stock in Tesla, you're probably going to do okay. I think that is, I uh, do have a lot of stock in Tesla. I think so it's going to bounce back large. <laughs> Large and enlarge. Right? Yeah, I I do I do think so. So yeah, so I I saw that there was a post in here on Live One, which is the owner of Podcast One. I guess they, oh yeah, they released some quarterly financial results, which uh, I guess they have to because uh, Live One's a public company. Mm. Um, it says ad ad revenue grew three percent in the prior quarter uh, to twenty six point one million in the the nine months ending December 31. So, so I guess though that that's just the last quarter of the, so, so that's, anyway, that's uh, six million. It's not bad. That's not bad revenue. Yeah. For them. Not bad. It says that the company will spin out podcast one supposedly into an IPO at the end of March. Hmm. So I, I, th I thought I heard that that got delayed or something like that. But um, so I guess po Podcast One is going to become a public company in a in a down market. Well, there's always uh, you know maybe the stock will come in cheap. Maybe it'll be a good investment. Yeah, but you know I I I still think uh, rough rough days are ahead. I don't think we've seen the. Well, it, it's. It's got all new owners and management. I know, but I'm talking about the spot yeah. podcasting space in general. Oh, just in the podcast bit. Yeah, right. Yeah. 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 I think I don't think we're out of the bumpy waters yet. No, by no means. So it's it's, it's very it's just it's very evident. 
in the uh, in the numbers um, mm-hmm. on where things are going. And you know, I now flat there, it's doesn't there, doesn't inspire big investment. No, it does not. And uh, you know, nothing is nothing is really moved. Even this week, um, you know, the numbers stay about the same, 367,000 shows in the last 30 days. So, you know, that, that number has, uh, has just been stayed pretty much uh, flat for quite a while. Flat, right. I mean, is it, I've been telling people, and I've, I, I have this thought, is we've seen this before. I think we've seen this back in that 2008, 2009. No, no, it, 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 the 2008, I, we, we were not affected at, I mean, zero. We were still growing on 2008. I'm talking about the overall kind of space was, I mean, it was still growing, but it wasn't growing as fast. And and I do think back in that time frame, the industry wasn't as oriented towards advertising. Well, that's true. Right. So I think it was purely a balance between new content and audience, right? Mm-hmm. And we just came out of a period with the pandemic lockdowns when we saw a huge spike in new shows. That's, you know, debatable whether or not any of those shows really had any significant content contribution to the podcasting space. But um, I think that's what's flatline, right? I would like to know what the listenership side looks like. And I'm not sure that I've seen recent numbers on any of that. Well, you know, I, I think that uh, based upon, I, I don't know if we talked about it last week, but that number, you know, we were talking about uh, paid feeds with new episodes last 30 days was 271,449. Yeah. And then feeds with new episodes the last 30 days, it included a free podcast host, mm-hmm. um, you know, 271 that are from paid companies, three, and then the difference 360, let me do the math here real quick. Uh, it hasn't changed that much this week. Um, let us here do this is a high-level math here. 366, 779, minus uh, 271, 449, 271, 449, means that uh, Anchor primarily only had... Uh, have has had ninety five thousand feeds update, and that's ninety five thousand shows have updated in the last uh, thirty days. So that just tells you there are five million shows that they had that only ninety five thousand of them have produced a new episode within the last thirty days. So now it could have been multiple episodes, but still ninety five thousand shows only 95,000 shows are active where it's 271 for, and that's, you know, that's, that's a, that's an interesting number 271 on a normal active shows. Well, I think it's interesting though, as you think about um, all the hosting platforms, at least the ones that I'm aware of um, that um, have shared their active show numbers um, on their platform, Mm -hmm. the hosting platforms. And, and it's, and it's interesting. All of us seem to have about the same, approximately the same amount of shows um, that are active on our platform. Right. You know, like Podbean has a total of about six hundred thousand shows, of which probably 80, 80 to one hundred are act, you know active shows of sorts. So you know that, and you could like Ellipson, and it's about the same size. So, um, and I 
I think uh, Buzzsprout is probably in that same size range as well. So it's right. and it, it it does show you there is weakness and uh, weakness in the space for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, because these numbers are way, way, way down from June of last year. Yeah, because during the pandemic time frame, this was what. 2020, 2021, we were growing a hundred thousand shows a month. Yeah. 2.1 million new episodes in the last 30 days though. So if you take, if you take that, so there's some shows out there that are producing above the norm. So if you think about uh, the grand total of 366,000 and you divide that by the 2.1 million. So you've got about an average of about five, five point something episodes per month mm-hmm. is, uh, is about the mean. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Which means that, the, that there is a, a good chunk of shows out there that are doing mul- multiple episodes a week. So, and then new episodes in the last 60 days, 3.76 million. So mm-hmm. not quite a doubling. So there is some shows that are probably on monthly that are not on a 30 day rotation because yeah. So. Right. Todd, do you think this is a good time to start a show? My best time ever. Absolutely. The best time ever yeah, with these, with these kind of numbers, the best time ever. Your, it, your competition is, is a, a new content is in how many categories are there in Apple podcasts? So if you look at the numbers in 30 days, 366, 779. Mm-hmm. And what is, I don't know, what is there, 30 categories or so in Apple? I'm not sure what the total number is. I'd have to I'm look. I'm not sure offhand, right. But it's, it's got to be at least 30. Oh, you know, yeah. You've probably only got 12,000 shows per category you're competing with. So it, it's it's a great time to be a content creator. I mean, a great time. Yeah, and if you look at how people treat investment too. It's, it's always the best time to get into markets when the markets are down. It's the same thing applies to podcasting or starting a business or whatever. Now's the smaller number of competitors in the market. And, but it also challenges you to, you know, differentiate and be compelling and all those things to, to be set up and ready to go. Um, when the market starts to climb again, to take advantage of that. Right. But it does show that, you know, a lot of shows are not producing that were. So does, yeah, I'm not sure why that, I guess there's always just a ton of reasons why. Yeah. I um, think, I think so too. Stop, but, but yeah, it's interesting to see this, the trajectory and both of our perspectives of being able to look back, you know, mm-hmm multi-decade timeframes and, and see how some things don't really change that much. Somebody's going to be, <laughs> someone's going to start writing, um, what do you call it? Uh, oh, Todd and Todd and Rob said they can the podcasting spaces in the tablespin. So you just watch someone will, someone will, uh, it's not in a tailspin. It's just, I uh, know, I know, I know. It's, I'm just trying to correct if people got that impression. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. more that it's, it's uh, it's it's kind of biding its time right it's now. By, it's 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 in a it's treading water. <laughs> right. It's like let's just kind of sit around and 
<laughs> hang out for a while and not, not do too much yet. Right. It's just not a good time to be doing too much. Right. It's definitely a tread water time for sure. <laughs> right. Right. Keep your head above the water, you know, keep breathing. <laughs> Is probably the best strategy, but I have seen more shows think about doing multiple episodes and, and I do see more shows thinking about, you know, video. So you, you know, I'm not sure that video is the, the solution that everybody seems to think it is, but, um, you know, I, I think, well, as we look at it ourselves, we have embraced this and. Well, we've been doing it before. It was cool to do it. Right. Well, yeah, (laughs) it just does us doing video. Does that help us build relationships with our audience. And that's at the end of the day, that's, that's what you're doing with you do a podcast. If you do a podcast is you're building relationships with communities and that's however you can do that is usually what works. Well, one thing is for sure. Um, you know, I had, uh, I put up a couple of YouTube videos and, um, we immediately had a, well, and they get a lot of views, but a lot of reaction to them. Mm-hmm. and uh, put something on Facebook today, and a longtime podcaster said, I don't understand the lit thing. He says, I like listening on demand. And I'm like, yeah, that's, you know, I understand, me too, you know? Yeah, So to each his own on that one. That's right. And if some people watch, great. If they don't, great. Like, today's a slow day. We don't have a lot of people uh, watching on Facebook or on, on YouTube. It's pretty quiet out there. So uh, I didn't do much social promotion of the episode today for some reason. So if, you know, I think unless uh, people know that we're half, they almost have to be reminded. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that that's, that's one advantage of the lit tag is that it does remind people that we did go live, whether or not they actually tune in and watch it. At least they got notified. Yeah. There's a, um, interesting tool that I can actually see how many people are actually um, are listening to the uh, HLS version of how many people are actually watching the video piece. And, uh, oh, I guess I have to wait for the event to be over because it, it, yeah, it's not real, but the last, uh, go around, uh, last week, um, we used, uh, we had about, uh, about 22 hours viewed when we were live on the, that were watched. I know specifically from the apps because the only people that get the HLS stream is the, uh, the, those that are actually using the, the new podcast app. So we had about 22 hours viewed, um, on the last show. Um, and primary, I think part of the reason was, is we were one of the first to figure the video piece of this out. And there hasn't been too many people have done video. I think there was some novelty there that we were live on the video side and people were pretty excited to, to see that. My, um, tech show has averaged about not that much, four or five hours of viewing, um, when I'm live on the app. So that, you know, that equates to four or five people. But uh, last week we saw a significant, uh, significant bang uh, for people that watched, uh, watched the actual video live on those new podcast apps. So uh, it's a cool little stat to see because you just don't know if people are actually listening 
And then when you look at the, you know, the data and how much data you actually moved, um, you know, that you did pretty good. Todd, do you think, is there anything groundbreaking on the horizon that you're seeing out there other than, you know, maybe what's the bubbling around AI and maybe <laughs> whatever YouTube decides they're going to do? Um, Besides what I'm building, which is groundbreaking? Well, <laughs> that's just assumed that whatever you're building is groundbreaking. Well, you, you would hope, right? Um, the, do we is really the thing that we should all be hanging our hat on of hope is trying to this podcasting 2.0 project um, is what's kind of going to move us into the next. That's the only thing that is moving generation. It's the only thing it is. Nothing else is moving us forward is status quo everywhere else. We've all built programmatic. We all have dynamic ad insertion. You know, so where do we go from here? I you guess know, is and, my, my bigger question. So, you know, I, internally, I've got some ideas on things that we want to build, but it's again, it's another feature um, that goes along with the service. It's not necessarily something that's groundbreaking, uh, but it is definitely a, a you know, the podcasting 2.0 stuff. So, well, the way I look at the podcasting 2.0 stuff is. Um, I hope they get busy and think about some more ideas. So mm-hmm. what we need now is more, okay, this would be cool if we could do this because we, at some point, are we going to run out? You know, again, there's a, I think the cross app comments piece is potentially going to be big, but it's something that we've got to really figure out. But there's a whole bunch of other stuff that is kind of like, right. I would call it low hanging fruit. It's not like this big wow. Yeah. Lit was the is the big one that you know I think was the biggest bang for us. But I it, again, and now I think what we have to do is the way I'm looking at it is we've got to build adoption. You know, mm-hmm. and right, yeah. As far as on that that side goes, I I yeah. agree with you. But still, the unmet need that every podcaster wants is growing an audience. Right, right. right. So. That is, that in my mind is the, is the hardest and biggest opportunity. Well, it's very, very hard. Yeah. It's, I don't know how you do that at scale and have it work for everybody and everybody be happy. I don't even know if that's even achievable. Well, Um, again, it'll go back to, you know, I, I have a different perspective on this too, is because. I didn't have all these cool tools. We, neither of us did when we started and we had to work really, really hard, you know, to build, to build our shows. But the uh, expectations are now different, right? People want to build their show faster right. than, than what we kind of, I guess, accepted as our fate. Well, we I, were going to grow slow. I, I think the key is that they're going to have to spend money then. Well, and many are, right? You have to spend, they're going to spend big money in marketing and, you know, that if, if you really want to grow a big show, then you better come up with a budget. But the challenge is, is that. But that puts pressure on indie podcasters. They can't. Well, that's what I'm saying for, you know, what solution do you have for an indie podcaster to help them grow? You know, we, we've been trying to put tools forth. We've been putting training, 
know. You know, yeah. we put all this stuff and say, okay, we're putting all these things for you, resources to help you grow your show. And now you got to get in there and, and dig in. Yeah. There's, there's only so much you can do. Yeah. Um, I'm just seeing a proliferation of these, um, these iTunes podcast promoters. Oh, they're just that horrible. Are just like chasing people, chasing me. And I mean, oh, some of them yeah. are getting very aggressive, yeah. but they're, there's, but and, they're, they and, see an opportunity there. And right? there's a new and spammer out there. Podium, podium spamming everyone. Um, from RSS. What's the goal? What's uh, the goal of this? Oh, we're in, in, we're going to complete your show notes and we're going to give you a chapter with titles and summaries for Spotify and YouTube. And we're going to give you a full transcript and we're going to give you quotable moments. And, you know, it's like, we're going to make your show have the benefits of SEO and all this stuff. It's limit. It's free for a limited time. And, Da 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 da, and you'll quickly see how we give you a massive start, jump start on your next podcast. It's just well, that's, like that's that's because they're all using Chat GPT to do that yeah, for them, right? Yeah, who knows? But it's just yeah. like you know, I didn't sign up for this newsletter. I didn't stand up to be spammed. Mm-hmm. So you know, because you, you you know, it's like people. I hate to say a lot of these content creators are just being led sideways on this you know this these these snake oil salesmen yeah and there there's no shortcut to creating great content and putting it together there's no shortcut you just got to do the mic time and you have to grind you got to work there's no silver bullet to being to building a show audience most people are not with, here's the problem. Uh, puts a lot of pressure on us. Here's the major problem. Well, here's, here's the major problem. You got to be willing to do the work. Someone said they were spending 30 hours editing their show and they were complaining why they weren't growing. And my advice to them was, Cut your, uh, cut, cut your editing. And this was in the podcast movement Facebook group. I said, cut your editing to 15 hours and spend the other 15 hours marketing oh. your show. And don't do it in podcasting groups. Right. Because <laughs> podcasters don't listen to other people's no. podcasts. Right. You yeah. know. You've got to get out of the podcast community if you want to grow your show. You can't do it inside the podcast community. Yeah, I've said for years what you have to do. And it's, right. it's, it's, there's a dozen things you have to do. And, and do them, you know, regularly. Every, every week, every week, right. every week, right. every week. So it's, it's not a, this is not easy. It's just like YouTube. How many shows break out on YouTube? Everyone, you know, we all watch the popular YouTube channels. Who watches the YouTube channels that have a hundred subs? Well, they wouldn't have a hundred if people were watching it, right? So, and yeah. and the thing is, it's just like okay, it might be great content, but they haven't done the job of getting to be broke out, right? Yeah, and yeah. I'd love to have a great YouTube channel. But I see what great YouTubers go through. They, they, they work. That you think this is hard? 
those YouTubers that are doing out a weekly episode about their life or whatever they've got going on and they're putting out an right. episode a week. Right. They're spending 50, 60 hours recording. Yeah, and I'm seeing another 30 hours editing. Really, the successful growing shows that I see are doing multiple episodes a week. So on, on YouTube, putting out two, epi two episodes a week, whoo, whoo. And once they get successful, they might be able to get some help. But I see a lot of YouTubers that have 40,000, 50,000 subs. And guess what they're doing? They're editing their own shows. They're, rec they're recording themselves editing. Yeah. You know, and there's, there's a, there's a logo that you have to do to be a successful YouTuber. There is no successful, a logo to be a successful podcaster. Right. Because guess what? We're all independent and we're being distributed everywhere. So I don't think hosts can fix this. Yeah. I really don't. I, it, there's no real practical way for us to. Well, you but, know, but it's not going to stop people from asking us and expecting it or to, well, you know, you guys have done yeah. it. We've done it. We partnered with different people, given them different tools to use for social media. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I don't want to do shorts. That's why we work with headliner, you know, use that right. tool to do your shorts and get them out there. Right. Um, I agree with you. Yeah. you know, I, I don't have time to build that. They're building that and supporting it. So, it's all these things that the content creators have to do. I, I, I think the biggest mistake podcasters do is they don't get their audience involved. They, they, yeah. forget, they forget well, that it's they're building community, right? They forget That's that their the, audience is their best resource. Right. It's building community. I guarantee you there's one listener on your show that will help you do social media. I guarantee you there's one listener of your show that will help you do show notes or chapters. You know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta pull and guess what? They don't often will work for free for just a simple acknowledgement, a credit. And yeah. then when you make some money, you can throw them a percentage. Yeah. You know, how did I start Blueberry? It started from my audience. Yeah. That's, that's where you have to start. You know, cause I didn't have, I was just some nerd. It was in the Navy. I didn't have, I didn't have an MBA. I didn't have programming skills. I wasn't a graphics person. I didn't have, uh, I didn't have legal skills. Mm -hmm. Didn't have no money. So what did I do? I said, Hey, I'm looking for a lawyer. I'm looking for an MBA. I'm looking for a graphics guy. I'm looking for a, a programmer. Yeah. And from my audience, a company was started. So maybe that's, you know, if you're say, if you're serious about this, then, in your show, hey, I need a social media person. I need someone that will help me with show notes and form a company. Bring them in. Set up an LLC. Yeah. And help yeah. have them get a piece of the pie from the get-go. Help them build your show. Who do you want to work with? Your fans or you want to work with someone you're going to hire off the street? I'd rather work with a fan. Right. Yeah, because they're passionate about what you're doing. That's and, right. And it might be yeah. mom. <laughs> you know, that's okay, too. It might be mom. Yeah. You know, it's okay. Yeah. 
How did and I? You've had a supportive mom for many years. I yeah, know that. yeah. And her and I did a show together before, but you know, how did I find the person that helps me with my show production? My my executive producer. I said I'm looking for someone to help me do show prep on your show on the show, right? Because I was out of hours. I was killing myself. He saves me two hours every day, every every episode. Mm-hmm. I pay him. And he enjoys doing it. He's got his own show now, too. So that's your most biggest underlying resource. Need someone to help you to get bookings? Ask for someone on your show. Help me with bookings. Yeah, I think that's the hardest thing that I've found with folks is that they may not always be willing to invest the outreach time that it takes to connect with people and to take those individual steps like that of, you know, that's the power of having a guest on your podcast too, is it builds your network, but I'm also, it still doesn't build your team. It it doesn't build your, your audience to focus on guests either. I don't believe. Um, and if you do, you have to have a strong personality as the host and you have to really be dominant on the show, just like what Joe Rogan does. right? Right. He's, he's a big personality and, brings on guests and those guests are additive to Joe. People that's tune right. in to listen to Joe. Yeah. Know? So that's the kind of personality you need to be on your podcast. You need to be one that people want to listen to. And if, you know, and, and people that are on Joe's show that have podcasts, they get incredible boost to their shows. Yeah, they do. Yeah. You know, it's the opposite. Yeah. It's the opposite effect. Yeah. You know, most podcasters are hoping that the guests that they're bringing on will give them a boost. Well, that's most of Joe's guests don't boost his podcast, but that's, that's the thing you (laughs) have to think about. If you, if if you're bringing guests on to help build your show, no, you want to help build their property, their brand. Because guess what they're going to do? They're going to be a big fan. If you got to, you got to think the opposite. Yeah. What's this person? they'll, They'll go on some other podcast at some point and say, well, when I was on Joe Rogan's show, Joe said this, right. Or that. And, you know, so that's the kind of endorsement that you want to inspire, inspire that's, in your guests. That's right. That they, they will go respect ta- your, your views. And they'll go well. talk about you. Right. You know, because you've driven part of your tribe to them. Yeah. So it's, it's a, it's a psychological game that you're playing in. A lot of podcasters don't really understand that interactive relationship that they have with their audience, their guests and their community, um, and to, you know, inspire that. If I was, if I was doing easy to do, it's not easy to do. If I was doing a regular interview show, I would probably listen to the top 20 or 25 interview shows. I I would be Mm -hmm. listening to every one of those and getting tips and ideas and strategies on how to interview people. And, you know, it's just like going to a conference. If you can get one thing out of one, each session, you know, so listen to those very, very popular t- shows and figure out what they're doing and, and, and steal and, and steal what they've done best. Yeah, that's, that's what really grew podcasts. That's what grew the internet too, was people's sharing of code and sharing of ideas and, you know, each individual taking a little bit of this and a little bit of that and creating something new from it. Right. I know a lot of people don't like Howard Stern. Maybe they don't like his politics. They don't like his opinion, but guess what? He is an incredible 
interviewer. Right. And why is that? Think about it, it, what, how it makes you feel when you listen to him. You know, so. And what does he say and how does he say it? Is he entertaining? Is he kind of dry? Is he, I mean, now, now what's your personality? Now, granted, he has an incredible team that does research for him. Yeah. You know, and they, and, but. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't think about that either. Yeah. And, so. but at the same time, if you're going to have someone on your show, you better spend some time researching who you're having on your show. Yeah. I've always kind of given people the, the advice that any guest that you have on a show needs to be strategic to the show. It needs to be, it needs to add to the story that you're trying to tell on the show. And th that's what I do with this show typically is, is I try and bring on guests that add to our narrative right. uh, or add a, a, a deeper element. You know, it's like the cap show thing you know, talking about AI and all that stuff. And, you know, let's bring in somebody that's living that world. Right. And can share. And then we keep talking about it afterwards, but you know, that keeps people coming back. Now, granted, I think we can beat dead horses to death. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think and, we do that sometimes. Yeah. Um, and, and, but at the same time, it's just like, and I do a call with podcasters and it's like, we are okay. We, and I'm saying we, because I am a podcaster. Mm-hmm. We are our own worst enemies. We right. sabotage ourselves. Right. Because how we sabotage ourselves, don't make it easy for people to contact us. Don't right. make it easy for Put people. Put ourselves in a bubble. Don't right. make it easy for people to subscribe to our shows. Mm -hmm. this, there's this whole litany of things that we do yeah. that, I understand people want to be private and inaccessible, but this is not the business we're in. Right. We're in the business right. of entertaining. Yeah. And being, being accessible and building trust in others is the big thing I've been talking about a lot is how do you, I mean, that's the big thing in our society right now that's missing is trust. It's the biggest, I think it's the biggest issue in the world right now. It's trust. So, and if you can solve that as a podcaster, you know, you got a very powerful tool there. Well, I think just try to always tell the truth and leave politics at the door. If you can leave common sense, um, truth. Um, if you're a political it, show and you're supposed to do politics, but if you're doing yeah, but, anything but a political show, you better leave politics at the door. I mean, it's almost like it's, it's hard for people to distinguish what's, what isn't political these days. Yeah. It, it's like everything has political connotations to it. That's true. And that's, that's dangerous, um, for everyone. That's yep. for, for all of us, because then it, it divides people and so it's we're just, letting it happen. It's so. just like I said, I, I stopped reading the verge because they've gotten political. They used to be this great tech. They used to, yeah. it was, and it, to me, yeah. as soon as, as soon as I smelt the publication becoming political, I was like, I, I don't want to read this no more. Well, it's even, even beyond that. I think it's, it's taking a particular position that maybe feels uh, like a manipulation, right? It gets back to, like I said, trust. I mean, you've lost trust in the verge, right? To be able to communicate to you in a way that you, you accept right. and that you recognize as honest and I, I don't, truthworthy. I don't mind facts being played out. I don't mind a headline it would be right. uh that um elon musk changed the logarithm at twitter 
to make sure everyone saw his post in the feed and then a story about that. Instead, they would do that, but then they get into this, this nastiness. Yeah. And the personal attacks just, or just, whatever. Just right. tell me what's happened and be done with it. You know, I understand blogs are opinionated and I have a blog and I'm opinionated too, but it's at the same time. It's just like, if you're always, 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 always bashing. Right. And, and unfortunately a lot of more increasingly people are realizing that the media is, is manipulating us. Um, and you know, this whole thing that's been, well, it's the government too is involved. It's, it's coming out, right. This integration between big tech and government and whatever have been, you know, trying to massage the message, as they say, you know, I think well, you can, you can just look over the last five days and you can probably, you know, point the things mm-hmm. like that big explosion in Pennsylvania, in Ohio. Right. Right. Yep. Nobody talked about that nope. in the press. Nope. Why is that? Or all of a sudden we're calling balloons, UFOs. And right. why it's, it's like, a, look it's over here it's, quite literally. It's, it's, it's a right. balloon. Right. And it's from China. Okay. I don't even know for sure if it's from China. Do you well, for sure? Well, you know, where else is coming from? I don't from? even trust that. <laughs> okay. So maybe not. But, I don't know. But, it, but it's a balloon. And then all, all, all of a sudden China's saying that uh, <laughs> there were 10 U.S. balloons floating over yeah, China. Yeah, of it's course. Like, that's, really? Yeah. So yeah. so anyway, it's a balloon. Okay. Whoever right. it's from, we don't care. It's a balloon. Call it a UFO. Right. I mean, my thought is, is that if we're going to fight a war, uh, let's fight over shooting down balloons. Okay. Go for it, guys. Yeah. Help knock yourself out. (laughs) It's just like, they think we're stupid, but anyway, long story short. uh, Yeah. That's not, that's not political. No, that's, that's that's what's actually happening. It's it's a manipulation of, right. you're too stupid to understand. So we're going to tell you some other well, story. We don't want to <laughs> tell you about some really bad news because of government policies. Right? You know, it's just like, That's come on, it's crazy. Right. And having had my, you know, 35 years of, uh, you know, intelligence experience, uh, just some stuff I said, I'm just like, well, it's a psyop, right? It's <laughs> yeah. a, I mean, what's the difference between that and a psychological operation? Right, right. right? It's, it's, you know, uh, unfortunately that's the era that we're in right now. What is misinformation? Yeah, it, it, it's all. <laughs> and, and still to, to bring this back to podcasting, we're still, I, I think podcasting is kind of still immune from that. I would hope so. You know, I, I don't know any, any real deep moderation that's happening in podcasting right well, now. Well, you know, there are shows I'm sure that are being run by major media that have agendas. And yeah. No. Well, yeah. that's certainly true. I'm, yeah. I'm talking about platforms that are basically taking down podcasts. Oh, no. Well, <laughs> based on them talking about, you know, a, a particular topic in that podcast, like what happens on YouTube. Uh, well, I know one that takes content down based upon a certain words. Certain words? Yeah. Do you, know, you better not talk about the, the, oh, the Rona. <laughs> 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 okay you know so and, and so don't I do di- worry right i do worry that ai technology is going to bring in content moderation into podcasting well, so probably i think it already is on one platform at least in my opinion but <laughs> it's probably a big one right yeah well i'll let you guess we're over on time already rob 
we need to get out are of here. We, okay. Yeah, we we made it to an hour thirty six. <laughs> I don't think that's hard for us, though. Todd. No, no, I was worried there for a second, but it's just like if you want to grow your show. God, I just hate to be the bearer of bad news. You got to work. <laughs> right. You got to work. Grind you got to grind. Out, you got to grind. grind it out. Right. You know. Well, you got to got to reach out beyond your little bubble. You have to get mm-hmm. out of your bubble and you got to get in front of as many people as you can in other yeah. ways and, too. and get on other media, get on other podcasts, get on get on national media if you can, community. all that stuff. Right. I mean, if you can do that, more power to you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There there is a formula, but I'm not talking about that this year. <laughs> 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 I'm talking about podcasting 2.0 this year. It's my topic right. for the year. That's your topic for <laughs> the year. Isn't it fun I can pick a topic for the year? <laughs> that, is, that is entertaining, Todd. I'm not sure that podcasting 2.0 is entertaining, but I, I it think can be. That it's, it's informative. Yes. It can be it definitely fun. sparks <laughs> debate. Right. Well, it's, it's sparking. Uh, well, I won't tell you what it's sparking, but yeah. You won't tell me what it's sparking? No, it's, it's, a lot of people are like, you know, it's little by little. Yeah. We're, we're climbing, we're digging up a hill. It's like a, you know, a snowball rolling yeah. down a hill. Well, right? no, we're going up a hill and, you know, clawing <laughs> all the way up. There's you know, dirt <laughs> under my nails, but. <laughs> so you're trying to say that it's a, it's a snowball that's rolling uphill. Todd? It's, we're pushing up, we're pushing oh, uphill you're right pushing now. pushing the snowball yeah, up the, and it's getting hill. bigger and bigger as it goes up the hill. Uh, it's, it's, it's. We're not, well, yeah, we're just pushing it up at home. <laughs> I don't have no, I don't have no analogy for it. You know, we're picking things up as we go. Right. Up. It, yeah. Okay. And as you get to the top of the hill, then, then hopefully uh, there will be momentum that right. will overtake Apple, Spotify, and Google yeah, on the way down. I'm uh, not saying it's going to overtake, but there is okay. alternatives. I gotcha. I gotcha. All right. All right. I'm not so I'm not so crazy to think it's going to take over, but it provides alternatives to a percentage of an audience that can be highly engaging, and that is a motivation factor for podcasters. When you get right. when you have people engaging you <laughs> on your show, well, that, that's a good good place to end. To end. All right. Engage with your podcast. Yes, absolutely. All right, everybody, we're going to get out of here. Thanks for being here. I'm Todd at Blueberry.com, at Geek News on Twitter. I'm at uh, Rob Greenlee on Twitter as well, on all the other social platforms too. You can find me on there. And uh, you can send me an email, robg at podbean.com. And I do have a website, robgreenlee.com too, uh, which I don't update very often, but um, it's, it's there. If you want to participate in this grand experiment of podcasting 2.0, go over to newpodcastapps.com. Pick yourself up a podcasting 2.0 app. Uh, my recommendation at this moment is uh, really a couple of apps. Um, Podverse, number one. Uh, Fountain, Castomatic, Curiocaster. Those That's are, the one I use is Fountain. So. Yeah, yeah. so uh, um, Podverse is you can actually listen to us live. Uh, and watch us live in Podverse. Same with Castomatic as well. Oh, you can watch us over there too. Not yes, just you the can. Live audio. Yep. Okay. Yep. On both. Uh, Fountain. I don't think we have the live in there yet. I think that's coming. Uh, I think Curiocaster supports as well. Don't quote me. I haven't used that particular app. But uh, newpodcastapps.com. Newpodcastapps.com. We'll see you next time. We'll see you back here next Wednesday. Everyone, take care. We'll see you next time on the new media show. Bye bye. Okay. Thanks. Bye.